0: Alright, baby. Sounds like the Beatles, man. Yeah. No muse. Through Public Broadcasting Network, your program, The James Corbett Report. And I am Eric Schein, Lieutenant Eric Schein, a graduate of Kings Point, United States Merchant Marine Academy, commissioned naval officer, coming out of Kings Point as an ensign serving on special duty in the United States merchant marine, American flag, American built, American crewed fleet of commercial and governmental ships supporting commerce, trade, transportation, national security and civil defense that has been decimated under attack for the last oh we could go back fifty years to World War two when we had the largest merchant rate in the world, and to where now we are ranked, I think it's about 37th. Um, That's a floaty number, but it isn't good. Yeah, I heard even today, California, I think we're 47th in the nation out of public education when we used to be number one, and uh, it's a sad state of affairs, not only in each state, but in the state of the union as well. This program is the Corbett Report. James Corbett is on travel. I am filling in for him tonight. My program is in the zone. It is on Saturdays and Sundays on this network, 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 11 Central and 12 midnight. It is now 9.02 Pacific Standard Time, 11 o'clock Central Standard Time and midnight back east. The witching hour. And if you don't know of my program, please listen into it on Saturdays and Sundays. I've been on um, James' program on RBN uh, a number of times. Uh, he'd actually been a co-host on my program for a while, and then he ran into a scheduling conflict um, because of the time difference in Japan where he broadcasts from and lives. And he also has me on his archives on his website, and you can go listen to some of our Uh, interviews and discussions and also the archives here at RBN on his program and my program where I've had him not only as a guest but also as a co-host for a a period of time and um, there's also videos on the website uh, one about military tribunals there's also some reading down in the required reading section on HR 1867 and you know, what's going on in my own situation where uh, a branch of military that I'm not in has been prosecuting me as an alleged civilian, targeting me as an alleged civilian, as a U.S. citizen here in the United States, um, trying to use the Administrative Procedure Act and use a branch of military to administer the Administrative Procedure Act, which bars any and all branches of military from doing so. But... Um, I hear the Beatles coming up. That means commercial break. Let me throw out the call-in number, 800-313-9443. Call in now. Call in early. We have open lines. Want to get heard? you have some questions, have some concerns, 800-313-9443. Nice. The one thing I do like about James' show, uh, other than um, James and his intellect and guests and everything else, is his music, and choice of music. Ooh, uh. Uh, let me throw out the number again, eight hundred three one three nine four four three. 313 The Coast Guard is now a branch of military, not in the Department of Defense, but in Homeland Security. So we have a branch of military... That came from the Department of Transportation, not the Department of Defense. It was never in the Department of Defense. Uh, it was only in the Department of War brought in there under the Department of Navy in World War II. Um, it's been a civil service. Uh, how do you get from uh, uh, volunteer services like the life-saving, life-saving service, the icebreaking service, the lighthouse service, and other volunteer services that were created by people basically from the United States Merchant Marine, uh, and that's where the Coast Guard, um, branched off of as well, uh, from our first fleet. And the first fleet was the United States Merchant Marine. Uh, it was formed in 1776 or 17, uh, 1770, no, 1785, I think it was, um, well before the revenue cutter Marine that the Coast Guard tries to trace its roots back to, and, and Alexander Hamilton, who was a, a world Federalist, a Loyalist, a Royalist, uh, somebody who was um, beholding to the Crown, who believed in um, bringing us back under Royal authority. Uh, Coast Guardsmen have to uh, honor the grave of Alexander Hamilton as part of their initiation rituals and go visit his grave, which I find is pretty... Um, I don't know, decadent. Uh, I guess that's kind of one of those skull and bones type um, rituals that has been initiated over the years. And it's it's rather than being about principles, it's about people. Um, but the Coast Guard is saying that since its inception as a revenue-cutter Marine, it's been a branch military, even though that was formed under the Treasury Department and that it was eventually moved to the Commerce Department. And then because of all the games where it was trying to pretend to be a special branch of military out on its own and playing games with our own uh, American flag fleet and attacking it from within and using these administrative bureaucracies, uh, agencies set up by um, Roosevelt. And, I, you know, I was talking about this the other night on the program, you can go listen to the archives, I used to think that there were, as many people have, and I'd say that Republicans and Democrats, to an extent, thought that Roosevelt you know, had done some good things, uh, that uh, the New Deal, to an extent, was, or had, you know, good aspects of it. Um, I believed, to a point, that what he had tried to do, to an extent, was to bring in and apply the Constitution to our daily lives, but if you go into and even read on Wikipedia about the Administrative Procedure Act and how it was created, and the furor that was raised when it was um, initiated uh, prior to World War II and then put in by Truman after World War II in '47, and uh, the issues like even now it's devolved into this system where hearsay within hearsay is admissible and can be used to strip you of... Life, liberty, and property—the um, things that the federal rules of civil procedure don't apply, the federal rules of criminal procedure don't apply, the federal rules of evidence don't apply. So they can basically go on a witch hunt and bring in people like you know. In my own proceedings, we had this guy Cecil Ray. He's a Coast Guard Academy graduate, an engineering officer on board one of the ships with the uh, Matson Navigation, who I was working with at the time. Uh, my father was taken out. And then, um, died after fighting for his life. And I think it was about 78 days in the hospital. And I tried to get leave, fought for leave and fought for my statutory, you know, contractual rights, um, to be able to advocate for my father as he was dying. And it appeared he was going to actually do better and go into aftercare and come out of the hospital as I was denied more leave, uh, by the shipping companies and the union who didn't stick up for me or do anything actually fought. And, and, you know, protected the shipping companies, um, because they're, you know, it's effectively run by the mob, uh, organized crime, uh, had guys like, uh, Sicilian Al Camilio, who was known as the Godfather, um, playing games. That was his nickname, the Godfather, who was a branch agent for the LA office of the Marine Engineers Beneficial Association. Um, I brought up before on my own program about the Bush Davis Walker family, the, um, President of the Union at the time, when all this was going on, was Ron Davis. And he started pulling back the veneer to this, and it is like the Stuarts or the Tudors in Europe, and the the havoc that they wreaked in, I would say, a little after, I believe, but the Dark Ages, medieval Europe, um, to where these families um, dominated. I mean, they were what some would say, part of the royal crown structure of families, um, much like the Windsors are, who are German royalty, tied to the Hopsburgs, who are pulling this whole, you know, game of resurrecting the United Kingdom worldwide, this system of kingdoms. And I think more and more people are starting to realize that this is about, are we going to live in, whether it's in the United States or anywhere else around the world, in a republic of, by and for the people where all of the quote-unquote royalties, whether they be the copyright or intellectual property of the people, of the government, of the nation-state, derive and are delivered to the people, uh, whether it be NASA or any other public institution, and that those royalties are paid out so that, uh, for the most part, we don't have to pay taxes, that they are paid at the industry level, and or, uh, you know, we used to run 100% of our government off of tariffs, that were imposed mostly on royal and, of course, yes, foreign, or I should say foreign and royal interests, um, uh, predominantly royal interests. Uh, We declared our independence and fought a revolutionary war because King George III, who was German and didn't even speak English, was the British king, the monarch of the United Kingdom, which is the same as the Windsors, who are members of not only the Saxe-Coburg-Gotha royal families from Germany, but they are also members of the House of Habsburg. And if anyone remembers their history, World War I was initiated by the assassination of Duke Ferdinand and his wife Sophie. And um, I believe I'm, I'm mixing up my wars here. I'm thinking World War II, but um, it was World War I. And then World War II was a continuation of, and World War I, you know, centered around and was in, deeply involved with Germany and Europe, of course. And um, World War II was, of course, an extenuation of World War I, as was the Cold War, where the Germans had, you know, the old adage of, and I'm talking about the German royal families, I'm not talking about the good German people, whether they live in Germany or here in the United States or any place around the world. Um, because most of those people are not all are lovers of a republic. They had their own, the Weimar Republic, the Weimar Republic, whatever, in Germany itself that was taken down by the royals to convert, you know, regardless of what it's called now, uh, some kind of, you know, parliamentarian, uh, representative government. Um, the people who are pulling the strings and not only um, Germany, but in creating the EEC, the European Economic Community, that devolved into and became the European uh, uh, Union, uh, were the Ho- Habsburgs. They got, and this is all they need, is an individual placed on the EEC, a member of the House of Habsburg who steered the EEC into, devolving into and creating the EU. Um, and we see what the Rothschilds and others of uh, these royal families and those who serve them and work with them and oftentimes intermarry with them, uh, the Blue Bloods. And I've given out many examples, like John Kerry, who married um, Teresa Heinz, uh, who was uh, married to Senator Heinz, who was the heir apparent to the Heinz Ketchup dynasty, um, who took this asset and married one family to the other, just like they used to do in the old European monarchies, and took this enormous trust, this private trust, uh, and she's from, you know, South Africa, um, and uh, took it, transferred it from the Heinz family and married it to the Carey family. And John Carey, who, you know, I was um, opposed to what went on with the whole gunboat, or um, uh, I'm trying to think of the term that they were calling it, the um, swift boat. Uh, fiasco about, you know, people coming out and testifying against him, in my mind, and I don't care how old this guy was because you don't lose your, um, I guess, your uh, life's blood or, you know, what made you the man that you are, like um, John Kerry, who's supposed to be this great warrior and, you know, threw his medals back on the lawn of the White House or whatever he did. Um, I used to think that he was, you know, a good egg quote-unquote, um, but when you look at his history and when he did something very simple that a lot of people might ignore and pass over, like not preventing a crowd member in an audience where he was giving a speech uh, where an individual, a young man, got up and asked some questions that weren't too favorable with security, uh, and he was, you know, and everybody remembers this, you know, don't tase me, bro, don't tase me, bro, where security came and tased this individual. John Kerry didn't walk out into the crowd until, you know, and he's, he's, a, he's a big guy. He's a tall guy, and he's not, you know, uh, he, he's a former military officer. Um, he could have easily walked out there, even with his advanced age, told him to knock it off, sit the young man down, let him finish his train of thought or questions, and move on as the quote-unquote warrior that he was. And that's not what happened. He stood by and watched an American citizen get tased by uh, private security. The hall, he was giving the speech, and I just think it was detestable. Um, We'll be right back. 800-313-9443. Pick up the phone. Call home. E.T. 313-9443. 313 Um My feeling is that uh, an attack upon Iran will occur in between March 18th or thereabouts and the 22nd because and it's, it's emblazoned upon my mind, uh, that's when we attacked Iraq and um, Iran due to the region and weather and uh, geographical and geopolitical and uh, meteorological, I guess, um, characteristics of the region. It's not that much different a little bit from uh, Iraq in Iran. Uh, they're already saying April-May. I think um, that's probably pushing it back a little bit. And, you know, surprise is always the uh, best one of the best ingredients in any sort of an attack, I think it will occur sometime in March on Iran, but I could be wrong. And um, there's several reasons why I think that, not only because of what happened in Iraq, uh, because of everything that's going on and being reported upon by others, but also what's going on in my own proceedings, where they are in a rush to judgment to... Um, they had stayed the case involving my motion for counsel, and then... Uh, I filed a motion for counsel back in December around the 14th. They stayed the matter. Uh, the brief was due February 28th and then um, ruled on on January 10th, denied me counsel and pushed back the date for the brief one day. So even though it had been stayed for close to a month, it didn't move back the calendar as it was supposed to or should more normally, they moved it back only one day. So they moved it from February 28th to March 1st. The provisions of the NDAA go into effect on March 3rd, supposedly. So with any kind of a ruling on my case, uh, which could come instantaneously or even weeks or days after, possibly months, who knows, um, they could, regardless of what they rule, Use the provisions within the NDAA to um, capture me, because like just like on the no-fly list, all this stuff administrative, you can't get on out of it. You can't uh, know, You can't uh, get discovery. You can't um, sue a federal agency in court. Uh, Jesse Ventura found that out trying to go after the TSA for um, manhandling him. Uh, and, and frisking him because he had a, a hip implant uh, where he sued the TSA and federal district court and it was dismissed because of the improper venue stating that he should have filed in circuit appellate so you know at some point the federal district court the appellate court for that is the Ninth circuit or the circuit appellate court for whatever district um, that would be the next level anyways so you think that they would have tolling pass it to the circuit appellate court, the circuit appellate court would then rule on it. And I don't know if Jesse dropped it because he wanted a jury trial and he wanted to get into district court, or they just kicked the matter and said that he didn't file, you know. So if a federal agency violates your constitutional rights, you can't even, you know, there's supposed to be Bivens and uh, 42 USC 1983 that was for state actors, that was through Bivens and other actions brought upon federal actors to where they could be sued for violations of your constitutional rights, all of that has been um, precluded for the most part, and you cannot get an original subject matter jurisdiction complaint in federal district court to go after uh, not only federal judges, and there are uh, you know a few who have done it and been able to do it, and it is uh, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> You have to commit your life to it to try to get a corrupt judge or justice off of uh, any sitting bench. I mean, even uh, Ginsburg just came out with some comments about that, that, you know, (laughs) the tax laws and everything else and how that's applied and not being able to be booted and uh, trying to be impeached or uh, whatever is, um, you know, next to impossible. Um, And, you know, Roosevelt did something um, back in the 30s in 33. uh, I think it was the very same year that he passed the... um, executive order to seize four precious metals, uh, he passed what was called the Enabling Act that allowed, much like in Germany, uh, they had their own Enabling Act, but here in the United States, it allowed the federal judiciary to make their own rules. Basically, forget about what the law says, and this goes through this whole concept of um, the uh, unitary executive uh and you know unitary legislature because you know if you have a unitary executive then well you have a unitary legislative body as well and you have a unitary uh uh exec or uh, not executive but judicial branch which is completely absurd they're trying to say that the executive branch has legislative and executive and judicial powers which to an extent it does but not to where um you know the predominance of our judicial activity is supposed to occur under article 3 judiciary and everything just like in the united kingdom and kingdoms is being moved into ministries or administrative agencies we'll be right back 803139443 listening to the republic broadcasting network because you can handle the truth all right um yeah no I was just arguing with my producer about um the administrative nightmare that um we have had uh, created, uh, and a lot of it came from World War II and was created by Roosevelt and the Administrative Procedure Act, uh, the federal version, and that's where all the state versions came from to where, you know, and he even said you have to quote unquote exhaust your administrative remedies. Well, um, people don't have, um, administrative remedies and administrative remedies means that there's a remedy, not to where you, well, you have a right to appeal. So if they come after you and you're in federal court and you're a plaintiff and you're suing somebody and they get them uh, an administrative agency that's been turned into a branch of military overnight to file a complaint against you, use military personnel against you, and prosecute you aggressively for eight or nine years and try to have you declared medically, mentally incompetent, um, I'm being advised to go on the offensive somehow. Uh, which I don't understand because um, going on the offensive against a branch of military that you're not in, uh, I don't even begin to understand how you would do that. Um, the Coast Guard's not supposed to be a branch of military. It's not supposed to be administering the Administrative Procedure Act because it's a branch of military. Um, the APA itself forbids any branch of military from administering the APA. Uh, you know, it's so, it was initiated as civil service law. Um, it's expanded into, you know, all citizens now. Um, and it does basically, like the NDAA that people are just starting to realize what it is and all about, uh, suspend, if not completely abrogate or, uh, overturn the Bill of Rights. Uh, they said that in these proceedings, I don't have a right to a, uh, timely due process hearing that I have to request expedited uh, processing or whatever the hell that is and there's nothing in the rules about that there's nothing in the regs about that um, they're not supposed to be overwriting the Constitution I mean even in misdemeanor traffic cases they have you have right to a jury trial or right to a speedy trial in 45 days or a hearing period 45 days. So, on something like this, where they're trying to uh, a branch of military that i'm not in is trying to uh, use military force to forcibly put me under a psych exam and have me forcibly diagnosed by doctors that they choose a branch of military that i'm not in um, you know they put a bolo out on me they um tried to align me somehow with Timothy McBay, who I have no you know association or affiliation with whatsoever. Um, they tried to say that evil spirits possessed me at times. When when an agency can lie, cheat, and steal and use hearsay within hearsay and falsify records and more and get those records, a branch of military can get those records without going to an Article Three branch of government or judiciary to obtain a warrant to get those records from who they say are a civilian, uh, we're under military dictatorship. Um, I don't know how else to say that. Uh, the Coast Guard is now licensing, as a branch of military, is licensing civilians. The Coast Guard is enforcing the Environmental Protection Act, like it did in the BP in the Gulf with, um, the BP, um, uh, I want to say event horizon. Uh, but the, um, it's not even a spill, the catastrophe in the Gulf. That, you know, we still don't even, uh, well understand the magnitude of, of, what went on and what has gone on and what is still going on, um, involving all that. But the, uh, the, there's case law on this as well that, you know, uh, yes, you're supposed to exhaust your administrative remedies, but there's also case law, like even for uh, union members and others that, uh, it gives any administrative agency or tribunal four months to piss or get off the pot protects your free speech rights in any tribunal means so that you can actually get heard, um, which goes to due process and more. Um, all of these that were um, rights and protections put in, like by the Labor Management Report and Disclosure Act nineteen fifty nine, 1959, uh, have been wiped out. Uh, we've got 20-some-odd, quote-unquote, right-to-work states that aren't right-to-work states. They're slave states to where you have no... Um, Right to collective bargaining. You have no right to, uh, first amendment to gather and seek redress, uh, from your government or those who, you know, contract to and for the government, uh, large corporations. Um, I don't think people are, are fully understand or are comprehending or are trying to get their minds around what's going on with the Coast Guard and Homeland Security, but the Coast Guard. Is deeply involved with what's going on with the TSA. It was Coast Guard admirals and personnel who not only created the the uh, were the brain trust for the brainchild of the TSA Transportation Security Administration. It was the Transportation Safety Administration way back when. I've talked about this going way back, but Admiral Allen, that Allen, who's married to Pamela Hess, is in you know Hessen, uh, Germany. Um, and she is, you know, a part of these royal lines. Um, Admiral Allen and Admiral Loy and Admiral Collins, you know, Loy is now working for uh, the um, Lockheed Martin, the company that did the Transportation Worker Identification Card, where they came up with the regulations as civil servants and then went to work for the company that they passed the contracts for to comply with the regulations in the creation of the Transportation Worker Identification Card, which is a new biometric ID card that is the precursor, pregenitor to a new national ID. that is being forced upon, and the cost of it is being forced upon transportation workers at $130 a pop, I think it might have gone up by now, to where they are funding and paying to a military federal contractor to create this, this military federal database for transportation workers to where it is... And has all of your labor in infra- for it show up late to work. It's on there. Uh, you, you file a grievance. It's on there. Your medical history. It's on there. Uh, if it's not, it will be soon, but it will be to where you basically have to carry that letter A as in Nathaniel Hawthorne and you know, the, um, Scarlet Letter, the, the book of that, um, you know, where the A was for adultery and was uh, forced. Uh, by the woman in the story to, you know, emblazon it, embrace it, um, emboss it, stitch it onto her dress to where she had to wear it around that she was an adulteress for the rest of her life or whatever, um, to where now any employee who complains, who speaks up, who um, speeds, or does anything else, it's all in your own dossier, your own file, that you are required to, uh, you know, it's not protected, privacy and privilege is out the door. Um, all the important protections of the first ten amendments, including privacy and privilege, forget about HIPAA. HIPAA has any provisions to um, allow Homeland Security and others to access your medical records, uh, national security. And all they have to do is go in and say, yeah, I'm um, national security interested and we want to get his medical records. And they, just like your... "Quote unquote" library records that the FBI and others can get at, or and what do you think, you know, medical records are? They are a form of library records. They're stored in a database with a, you know, not a Dewey Decimal system, but similar uh, digital um, to where they can uh, force any custodian of your records uh, to hand over. Even now, they can force you as the custodian of your own records on your own computer to um, decrypt your computer so that you can give your records over to whomever uh agency or uh corporation or whomever comes after you and you know you, you've got to rem- uh understand you know it's the the golden rule he who has the gold makes the rules and that's not how our system was set up it was it was set up to protect the least of us uh amongst and as well as the um, those in positions of power and trust, whether they be corporate or governmental, um, because the system fails when the least of us cannot get complaints or grievances heard. And in my own situation, I'm not "quote unquote" the least of us—a um, federal maritime officer, a naval officer—and I'm not trying to blow wind up my own skirt, "quote unquote," um, so to speak. I'm uh, uh, and get you know. And, and feel feels somewhat magnanim- magnanimous in my own right. I'm saying I've been afforded uh, uh, great education at King's Point, a $300,000 education paid for by use taxpayers, a licensed, degreed, professional engineer, and more. And if I can't get simple grievances on pay or termination, uh, issues of trying to stop an explosion before it happens, um, uh, trying to prevent dumping of hazardous materials off a government vessel, run by a private contractor addressed and done in a neutral and um, expeditious manner and be able to move on as the system was set up then not only am I not safe but uh, not only is the maritime industry not safe and our ports and waterways um, but the American people are not safe because if um, American flag officers under the American flag on American ships cannot get simple grievances processed like what happened with the Matt's in Maui involving my father and trying to get leave to advocate to keep him alive and fight for his life and help him fight for his own life while he's in the hospital in intensive care, and that the um, company can work with the union to tell me that they've gotten me leave to be able to, once my father died, um, uh, you know, uh, unexpectedly, uh, to be able to go home and figure out what's going on and what happened. Um, and take leave and get a replacement and not be any worse off and be able to finish off my job as called, um, there's something wrong. And it gets into this whole system that's going on even within the United Food and Commercial Workers and all the um, supermarkets where they've set up this two-tiered system. Uh, You know, there's first-class citizens and second-class citizens, uh, those with rights and those who don't have any um, in my own union, and – industry, we've got a union where the chief engineer and first assistant engineer, who are direct representatives of the shipping company and the United States, um, own and control and basically run the union, and the second assistant engineers and third assistant engineers have no rights and no ability to file grievances without uh, extreme retaliation. Um, to the point where the licensed personnel board, the system that's supposed to hear these grievances, uh, a, a line item in federal contracts, much like in the SEC and arbitration and more. Um, and and the reason for this, uh, the United States set up and built industries like this, like Silicon Valley and more, to the point where taxpayer funds went into it to develop and build the industry to where it would be self-regulating, and the cost of self-regulation would be borne by the industry as costs of doing business first and foremost, and that a hearing, uh, whatever kind of tribunal would be set up and would be fair and impartial. And even in my own industry in the licensed personnel board, when it was active and being used, it actually functioned so well and was able to exonerate employees and get them back on the job and let them do their job and focus on the job and not politics. Um, uh, that the employers got together with the union, allowed the system to atrophy to where they just funneled grievances through, paid them, resolved them, whatever, and let it die on the vine, even though it's a statutory and contractual uh, line item in federal contracts, um, to the point where they basically did away with it to where now, and this is something that they were working on and they've worked on with ILWU and others, other unions, is to do away with agreements arbitration systems. Um, Reagan was good with that with PATCO. Uh, he was supposed to bring in the federal mediators, Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service, FMCS, that's what your taxpayer dollars pay for, to maintain the status quo, get the air traffic controllers back on the job, maintain the status quo where things were at, get people paid, keep them getting paid, then go in and resolve it with a federal mediator, and hear the grievances, go through the books of the airlines and the unions as well, because the unions are as much a part of the problem, if not more so, because the unions have become an outsourced version of or human resource department for the large corporations to where they're not even doing their job anymore. Um, and uh, many of these institutions that were started and did deliver many good things and, and fought things like child labor, laws and had gotten the 40-hour work week, which distributed, you know, work more evenly to where, you know, hey, everybody getting 40 hours a week was better than half the people getting 80 hours a week. Um, and, you know, it's just common sense on a lot of these issues, Glass-Steagall banking issues and more, to where all of this regulation that controlled large, not small or medium, but effectively large corporations... GM, GE, Ford, Chrysler, General Dynamics, uh, you know, even any kind of, um, international, let alone international, let alone interstate corporation that had more than 50 employees. All of these laws, rules and regulations that were to make sure that you get paid as agreed to and that you get overtime, penalty time, uh, whatever is, you know, not only in there in the law, but in the contract and that you could enforce your contracts. I mean, anybody who's advocating for Israel is thinking Old Testament, master, slave. Anybody who's thinking, you know, Christian, quote-unquote, is thinking New Testament, and thinking that, no, there is a better way to do things. Um, that, you know, and and I would look to, you know, what Roosevelt may have appeared to have tried to start or started, I don't think it was quite that simple. I think it's actually been used against us and the military industrial complex was more than happy to use a system set up for grievances to target those who would file grievances rather than to um incorporate them in the system and use uh the you know, grievances to improve the system and also so that those individuals who are the best and smartest could advance in the system and protect themselves through the issues of due process to ensure that they could go into a neutral, fair, tribunal system. And I'm not talking military tribunal like what I'm trapped in now where the Coast Guard is saying it's a branch of military that can administer what they're saying are civilian affairs. Um, but a uh, like the Railway Labor Board that's involved in my own situation, and right now they're coming out, and with this new um, FAA proposal, involving the drones and a bunch more. They're trying to rewrite the Railway Labor Acts, and the reason that the Railway Labor Acts were there it was interstate commerce. It wasn't just a railroad in a state. It was railroads, mega railroads, the robber barons, and more, uh, moving within the states, the, uh, a number of states with uh, varying laws. Be right back. It's the Corvette Report. Earthsheim, law 911com and W crossing the or dot org, I should say. We'll be right back. All right. Um. This is James Corbett Corbett Report. I'm not James Corbett of course. This is Eric Schein from www.martiallawmartiallaw91.com. Go to the website and you can see some of the stuff involved in my case. Sorry the website's are not better developed. I've tried if anybody knows a web developer out there that is on the side, you know, maybe somebody from Anonymous or whatever that knows how to do um web development and can help get a bunch of documents up um and i'm not trying to um and i'm not seeking to uh violate the law or anything i just want to get up uh, so people might understand and see what's gone on it's an enormous paper tiger but um also www.crossingtherubicon.org c r o s i or s s i n g t h e r u b i c o n.org crossingtherubicon.org and, um, my program in the zone is on Saturdays and Sundays at nine o'clock Pacific Standard Time and 11 o'clock Central Standard Time and midnight Eastern on both Saturdays and Sundays. And I've had all sorts of people on there like, um, Howard Zinn, and I've even had uh, people like Naomi Wolf. I had Stephen Cohn as the executive director from the National Whistleblower Center who wrote a article about the first whistleblowers who were officers in the uh, merchant marine and or maritime fleet and or navy, because at the time we had a navy commandant, Um, our navy was effectively a bunch of privateers and, you know, buccaneers. Um, That goes to the issue of, you know, these uh, individuals that complained about the Navy Commandant, and he tried to go after him with libel. And Congress met and was convinced to actually pay for the counsel for these individuals to defend themselves in any and all proceedings, including the libel proceedings. And they were able to vindicate themselves. But when you've got, because he was his, his brother was like the governor of one of the um, uh, colonies that became a state uh one of the original thirteen states. And um uh, so he's a powerful individual and he used his uh family name and power to go after these individuals who complained about him. And if you go up and speak truth to power, um they know the system and they know how to uh basically like the the Romans did, you know, rub your na- rub your face out on the wall on the mural when you're a public servant or uh a um uh known individual, uh, to where you're one of many on a mural uh, and people know who you are and uh, they leave your body up there and rub your face out, sending the signal that, hey, you know, this guy's been rubbed out. Where do you think the term comes from, even with the mafia? Um, we've got organized crime uh, operating within state and federal governments, uh, carrying on racketeering violating civil rights constitutional rights due process rights using these quote unquote administrative proceedings to block and prevent individuals from their right to get into an article 3 uh, judiciary uh, regardless of where they sit um, in the scheme of things you know at the um, one end of the spectrum to the other and our rights come under general maritime and admiralty and are supposed to be heard in Article 3 court, and we're being blocked from access to our own courts. This has gone on for 12 years, and the Coast Guard, a branch of military I'm not in, has been prosecuting me as an identified alleged civilian within what is clearly a military tribunal for, uh, since at least March 6, 2003, or years before when they opened up their investigation of me, and, um, you know, have gone as far as to falsify documents, seize documents without a warrant or probable cause and more, and try to paint me as some kind of um, public safety hazard.